know, who, do we know who's responsible for it, who we think, you know, what, when, where, why, how. So you get all those facts as much as you can. But also remember in the midst of a crisis, a lot of the information that comes in turns out to be bogus. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Ronin Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm doing this again on a on a Friday morning, and it's been a pretty uh, hectic week. But uh, really looking forward to doing these podcasts and trying to do them. Make sure we're doing them on a regular basis. So, uh, and I thank you for your subscribership. Uh, it's wonderful. We're seeing the subscribership grow, uh, basically on a weekly basis, and. Uh, Really appreciate you getting the word out and telling your friends and family and other people about, about the podcast. I'm still busy writing. Um, uh, have some great news. My last book uh, came out in uh, yeah, came out in March. It's Full Circle. Uh, it's a, a thriller with a character uh, that I created called Jack Trench, a former CIA officer. Uh, we did a campaign about a uh, last weekend actually. So this is. Uh, actually, June 30th, so we're on the cusp of July, and we did a campaign last weekend, and uh, this book hit number one in about six, seven different countries in a lot of different categories like action thriller, mystery, uh, war thriller, etc. So I uh, really appreciate all of you who support me and my writing efforts. I've got a lot of uh, this book here has actually gotten some great reviews. Uh, my other books got wonderful reviews too, but I've kind of morphed uh, right now. I'm kind of in that mode. I really want to do more fiction than nonfiction. So I wrote the first two books, which are, again, I encourage you to get The Art of Ronin Leadership and The Art of Executing Ronin Leadership Strategies. They're great leadership books, great primers for you and your teams. Um, and again, they they also uh, hit number one in Amazon during their time, and great lessons on leadership. I'm still, you know, focused on leadership, but from a writing perspective, I'm really concentrating on book two. So this is a sequel. We try to make this a series on uh, the Jack Trench uh, saga. So thanks to all of you who uh, were able to purchase, and download the books, and uh, writing reviews. And I encourage all of you. Excuse me. I encourage all of you if you are. If you read the book or are reading the book and when you finish, uh, I encourage all of you to just try to uh, uh, see if you can get on Amazon.com and find my book and just write a review. It helps a lot with the algorithms and and with the sales. So um, thanks a lot. And uh, also uh, really want to thank all of you uh, who are spreading the word about the Ronin Leadership Podcast uh, the summertime and uh it's harder to get people to be on board, but we've got some people lined up now uh, to do uh, some uh, in live, you know, uh, podcasts, and we'll be able to get some great guests going on. And then we're we're really kind of focusing right now on fall and lining up a, a series of of speakers that can hopefully help you in your leadership journey, your personal growth. Uh, and then again, I said we're gonna probably next week or so we'll go do something more fun, just kind of out of the out of the box when it comes to uh, uh, this podcast. So uh, for the podcast at hand, uh, and by the way, reminder, uh, you see the like button, please hit the like button, the subscribe button, 
again, we're trying to grow our subscriber base uh, and really uh, reach more people with content. I think that they've shown to be very helpful from the feedback I've gotten uh, from those of you who've listened to the podcast. So this week has been a, a week of uh, a lot of decision making. Um, you know, I'm retired, but I keep active. And currently I'm president of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Board of Directors. And, um, you know, it, I love being on boards. Uh, I ran two boards um, when I was at Microsoft as a chief security officer. I was at one point I was at the same time I was president of ISMA, the International Security Management Association, which is the largest uh, that's not the largest, but it's one of the most exclusive uh, chief security officer organizations in the world. And also, at the time, I was also president of what was called then the CSO Roundtable for ASIS, American Society for Industrial Security. They call it now the CSO Center. Uh, but back then, it was the CSO Roundtable. So I was kind of shepherding both organizations. It takes a lot of work, um, and it takes a lot of your time. Uh, and though I'm retired now, I still won't, you know, Janice and I still like to keep active in the community. So we're involved in our own foundation, uh, helping at-risk youth. Uh, and we're also part of a lot of different community organizations to, to support their causes. And of course, uh, we support the Metropolitan Police Foundation. But there's a lot of moving parts, uh, especially as I'm president now, six months into it. And a lot of decisions are needing to be made and a lot of, you know, just a lot of things. So. I decided to take a step back and think about, you know, the podcast for today. And uh, oh, as an aside, I hate to hate to digress, but you can you can see the shirt. Uh, the Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights are the 2023 Stanley Cup champions. We're very proud of our team. Uh, you got everybody in town's wearing Golden Knights uh, logo. I mean, who would have thought that in the desert you'd have a Stanley Cup team, an ice hockey team? We're really proud of it. Yeah. Just got this shirt in actually literally yesterday. So I thought, ah, we're in front of the podcast. Anyway, get back to where I was going to. Um, a lot of decision making. So, you know, kind of have to take a step back and think about what am I going to talk about this week? So I'm going to talk about decision making. Uh, those of you that are in leadership positions and and whether you, you are or not, everybody at some point has to make a critical decision. Um, in business, it could be a decision about uh, a couple of business things that are going A or B, right? Um, and if, if you make the wrong decision, it could affect your P&Ls, it could affect your, your overall business strategy, productivity, or what have you. Um, it could be a medical thing. You might find yourself having a medical issue and um, you need to make a decision, obviously with advice with doctors, but maybe doctors have differing opinions on you should do this, operate, or we should treat you this way. Uh, there's just all kinds of decisions that people in life have to make. Now, not all of them are critical. Some of them are pretty easy, uh, and you know what to do. What I'm talking about here are the real critical hard decisions that leaders and people have to make, uh, because it's not always easy, especially in a crisis situation. So I remember back at Microsoft, we had developed a, a really you know, robust incident management uh, uh, team system, IMT. Some people call it crisis management. We call it IMT. 
And we trained on it all the time with our stakeholders and major stakeholders at Microsoft for us in global security, include obviously us, real estate and facilities, typically in, uh, internal communications, uh, PR, our, our IT security, cybersecurity partners, uh, business continuity, enterprise risk. You know, those are typically the, the usual uh, suspects that you get together in a crisis. And we trained with these folks several times a year on crisis management protocol. And it, it's, it's actually very simple, but you have to practice it and you can actually apply it to things outside of a security crisis or a, you know, a business crisis. And you basically broke it down into one, you know, what are the facts? The who, what, when, where, why, and how, you know? Bomb goes off in London. Okay, so what's what's happening? You know, who do we know who's responsible for it? Who we think? You know, what, when, where, why, how? So you get all those facts as much as you can. But also remember, in the midst of a crisis, a lot of the information that comes in turns out to be bogus. Uh, the last thing you want to do is act on something just willy nilly without thinking about it, because a lot of the stuff that comes in in the immediacy of a crisis, by well-intentioned people, the information isn't exactly accurate, but you gather the facts as you can. The second lane is what are the strategic goals, right? Is it life safety if it's a security issue? Is it business continuity? Is it uh, reputational? Is it legal? You know, is it financial? You have to really figure out what are the what are the major strategic issues at hand in any particular crisis situation. And so then you can concentrate on that. And that thing morphs within that lane. In the immediacy of, say, take that bombing incident in London, it's uh, a it's a life safety issue. We take primacy. Um, we are responsible for accounting for people and making sure everybody's safe and communicating to people about what to do and you know, the, evacuating people if necessary, finding medical attention if necessary. And then at some point, you know, it may morph into more of a legal issue and then the, the legal folks kind of have primacy. It's no different than, you know, in the uh, public sector world, you know, uh, where you have what they call unified command. So, you know, at an incident, it, it could be a fire incident, it could be a shooting incident, it could be both. You know, unified command means you get police, fire, and whoever else is responsible. And you figure out, okay, what is the main issue right now? Is it to take out a shooter? Is it to put the fire out? And whoever is in charge, okay, it's a fire issue. Okay, fire department, you take primacy first while we try to triage this other thing. And then, you know, you have you move the, they call it unified command. So everybody's not going in their separate directions. Kind of same concept here. And then uh, the third lane is actions. Okay, so now that you figured out the who, what, when, where, why, how, and you figured out what are the, your strategic issues that you're dealing with, then you can do action items, okay? Account for people or uh, notify the CEO or whatever those issues are, you know, prepare internal communications for the team. That's why you get this group of people, all experts in their own fields to work together um, to make sure that you are uh, giving the higher ups the one version of the truth. Back in our early days at Microsoft, 
uh, when uh, before we developed this incident management team system, when the same same situation of bombing in London, something happened, um, you get people that were able to go up, uh, send emails or communicate to CEO or to some higher ups on C-suite. And the information wasn't necessarily true. And then we'd get hit with, you know, hey, how come you guys aren't doing this? And I said, well, that's not exactly the situation, sir or ma'am. You know, this is exactly the situation in hand. And this is what we're doing, X, Y, and Z. Oh, okay. Okay, got it, got it. That's not what I heard. So within the incident management IMT framework, we're able to control information, not, not control it in the sense of we don't want the higher-ups to know anything, but we want them to have the one version of the truth. One version of the truth that all of us collectively on that team have agreed to and approved, and then whether it's PR or internal communications, the same messaging goes out. And you've got to run through that cycle, you know, until the crisis is done. And so, you know, that gave all of us a really great sense of decision making and the collaborative power of having good people around you to make decisions. Uh, this past week, you know, uh, on the uh, uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Board of Directors, you know, we're doing a lot of different things. And I have been blessed with a great group of leaders, business leaders that have volunteered to be on the board. That just like when I was at Microsoft and I had a great group of leaders as part of my leadership team to uh, provide counsel and provide advice so that we could all make best decisions so that I can make decisions. Uh, on, be on, the, on behalf of the organization. Same thing here. So I've got great people working with me on a lot of different issues, and some of them are fairly complex. And then it, it struck me as uh, there is a, uh, one of the books that I used to buy for uh, my team back at Microsoft uh, was called Taking the Risk by Dr. Ben Carson. Those of you who, a lot of you have heard of Ben Carson, Dr. Carson, a lot of you may not have. Um, Dr. Carson was really one of the top um, uh, pediatric uh, neurosurgeons uh, or surgeons uh, in the world back in the day, Johns Hopkins. He's written a lot of books, but he was he had the gift of uh, being just this brilliant surgeon. His specialty was separating conjoined twins. And as you can imagine, an operation like that is very risky, uh, very dangerous, and not always recommended. And so there were a lot of decisions that he, in many cases, as the lead surgeon, would have to make to determine whether or not he should go or no go when it came to um, deciding to operate or not operate. So I read the book, and he had a matrix. And it's a very simple matrix, but within that simplicity um, is, a, is a thing of beauty when it comes to making critical decisions, right? These are, they don't have to be life and death decisions. They can be, but they can be life and death business decisions that are really not easy to unpack on its own. You, 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 you kind of think, oh, I, I need some framework to make this decision. So basically he had this quadrant. Right, and actually, I, I've got it here, and I'm actually going to, uh, as you as you look on the screen, we have that we have that matrix up there for you to look at, and 
Um, he, on the left-hand side, he had uh, the matrix. He had best case and worst case, right? And then uh, there were four boxes, two on the top, two on the bottom. So here, best case, worst case, you know, and then two boxes, right? And then one says, take the risk. And the other one says, don't take the risk, right? So, um, and then, and you can name it other way. I've seen it done where it says, okay, uh, best case, worst case, uh, what are the best outcomes that can happen if I do nothing? What are the best outcomes if I do something? Uh, but you can take a look at what you see on the screen. And so you basically, you look at the quadrant and you have best case scenario if you take the risk. In his case, if I were to go and operate and separate these conjoined twins, what's the best case scenario? Well, the best case is that surgery is successful. The, 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 the kids are healthy. Uh, and they're going to have a, a wonderful life. Um, parents are happy. Everything's good. You know, the worst case scenario, if you do that, the operation doesn't go well. One or both of the conjoined twins dies. Um, parents are obviously devastated. There may be legal ramifications for the doctor and the hospital. It's just, you know, you kind of list in these quadrants all the things that could go wrong or right. And then if you don't take the risk, so in his case, if he didn't operate, what's the best case? No, they live their life healthy, but they're, they're still conjoined, but they can still have within the parameters of that um, situation of being conjoined, still have a, uh, a healthy life, right? Uh, if those of you who, if you remember a movie called uh, Stuck on You, uh, years ago with Matt Damon, it was a comedy about, uh, and Greg Kinnear, uh, it was about conjoined twins uh, who were able to, it was a comedy, and, but it was really good, well done, and it showed how they uh, how they lived their lives as boys to adults, as conjoined twins, and then eventually they had the operation, but they realized they loved being conjoined, you know, better than they were living their lives alone, and they just kind of figured out to, like, it would sew their suits together so they could walk around together at the end of the movie um, and still pretend like they're conjoined. But, you know, getting back to the matrix, if, if you don't take the risk, in this case, if you didn't operate, what's the best thing that could happen? Well, you live their lives and have a great life. Um, and again, within the parameters of being conjoined. And then what's, if you don't do anything, what's the worst thing? Um, they might have a lousy life being conjoined with all the, with all the, the issues that that entails, or from a health perspective, if if you didn't operate and there were some issues that are specific, and I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but maybe there's issues specific to conjoined twins, then what happens? You know, maybe they die earlier than they would have, you know, had they been uh, separated. But this is something that Dr. Carson came up with so that it would help him kind of think through critical situations. Um, I heard a podcast with Jocko Willick the other day. Uh, a lot of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of this same, you know, group tribe of, you know, former police, military, CIA, you know who Jocko is. For those of you who are not, uh, but you're part of this fa podcast family, Jocko Willick, and I would encourage you to look him up on YouTube. He's a former Navy SEAL uh, commander. Uh, he served in Iraq, 
and specifically a, a lot in Ramadi, highly decorated. Um, he um, he wrote a book when he got out of uh, the Navy SEALs called Extreme Ownership, which I highly recommend. It really talks about as a leader, how when you're a leader, there are benefits to being a leader. You make decisions, you get rank, you get, you know, you're able to, uh, there's a lot of good things about being a leader. But when things go south, you have to take ownership of it. You own it. And he, he tells a wonderful story, you know, about how, you know, he made a he made a bad decision, and um, you know things didn't go quite well in one particular operation. And he could have blamed some of the uh, folks in his SEAL platoon because some of them didn't execute the way they were supposed to. But when when he was grilled by the top brass, you know, who were investigating this, he said, "I own this. You know, these are my people, my team under my command, and I own this." And it really impressed um, the top brass because they realized they had a commander that knew that what leadership was all about. You own it. You don't hide behind your troops and say, no, Joe did it or Jane did it or somebody. No, you own it, right? And so, but one of the things he talked about in one of the latest podcasts was, and he gave a really great example. Uh, he, he said he was, in a, he was a, a, a new guy on the teams and they were going through some uh you know i think more cqb close quarters uh battle uh, scenarios you know inside of a, a shoot house you know where you go in and practice different scenarios shooting bad guy targets etc cetera, etc cetera, going in uh and, and being safe and and i'm i think if i get this right the team was stacked up again he's the low man on the totem pole it's up to platoon commander or assistant platoon commander to make decision. So they're stacked and they're ready to uh, figure out what they're going to do you know, as part of this exercise. But no one's doing anything. No one's making any decisions. And Jocko said, I was thinking to myself, okay, should I say anything? But I'm the, I'm the new guy. If I say anything, they're probably going to say, hey, shut up, new guy. You know, it's our decision. You just shut up and just do what we tell you to do. And he waited a little bit more. And he, he said he waited probably about uh, 30 seconds to a minute, which those of you know, in a tactical situation, that's a long time. It could feel like an hour. And he said he was scared, not scared about the situation, scared about what he opened his mouth, but he did. He opened his mouth and he said, and I can't remember what he said. He was like, hold left, clear right, right? And and apparently that's what they did. Some folks held left and others went to the right and cleared the situation and you know you had observers up top you know see uh senior you know trainers looking down and they basically said hey good kid that was a good decision and he didn't do it to usurp the platoon commander but he said that sometimes decisions need to be made but this was one of the things and it gets back to this ben carson this matrix decision matrix he said one of the things that in situations when adrenaline is high, whether it's in a tactical situation like he was in, and even though it was training, he obviously was in real world situations. Um, I have been when I was a cop and some sometimes in the agency. But in, even in business, you, you are faced with a crisis. You've got problems that seem insurmountable. You, and 
in the immediacy of the situation, you if you've got some good people on the team, all type A's, all all business people, um, the tendency is to move, or the tendency is to talk things through over and over again, and and don't move. And he said he was able to in that particular situation figure out. Let me just detach. Let me, in this case, metaphorically take a step back and think through the situation. I got a group here, nobody's moving, nobody's saying anything, somebody's gotta say something, boom, he did that. And, he, and it was really interesting. And the parallel to that of detaching yourself for a little bit and taking a step back is this Ben Carson matrix. So undoubtedly he had people on his team that would debate whether or not to for this particular set of conjoined twins, whether to uh, to operate or not operate, uh, and I'm sure some of the debates got heated because everybody, you know, wants to do the right thing, and so he developed this matrix as a way to step back and say, okay, what are the facts? You know, so we know that we're either going to operate or not operate, and then so then he just came up with this simple matrix, right? Best case scenario, worst case scenario, do something, do nothing, and then write it out. And there were times at Microsoft I would do that. I'd be on my whiteboard in my office and some critical decisions needed to be made. I made a maybe there was division on the team in terms of which way we should go. And that's typically where you would use this kind of thing. Take a step back, write it out. Uh, it's not 100% perfect, but it gives you an idea of, okay, if, if I don't do anything, keep it status quo, what's the best and worst thing that can happen? But if I do this, if I take this decision to go down this road from a business perspective, go down this road for a business strategy, you know, what's the best and worst case can, that can happen? And it, it really helps. Um, and this week, you know, or this last six months in my role as president, I've been able to do that. I've been able to, in the midst of, even in the midst of, people debating issues within the board. I could take a step back. A lot of times I won't say anything for a while in board meetings. I mean, I'll, I'll opine when I have to, but don't feel you have to just talk to be to make yourself heard, right? Because a lot of times people talk and just repeat the same things over and over again. So there are times when I'll just sit back and listen and I'm, I'm detaching myself. Now learn lessons from Jocko, learn lessons from Dr. Carson. Remember, uh, leadership is, Learning, continuous learning. I, I mentioned that in my books. And so take a step back. Listen. Weigh the facts in your head. Do the matrix in your head. And then you can opine on something that hopefully will uh, get people thinking, maybe in a different direction, maybe not. But again, this is just way, a way of making critical decisions. So I wanted to uh, leave that with... Uh, with all of you, because those of you who are listening that are still in the enterprise world and are some business or they're in the public sector, if you're in public safety or first responder, if you are a civilian, but you've got critical decisions to make on family, buying a house or, you know, uh, your mom and dad's uh, health care or surgery for yourself or somebody in the family or financial issue, there are all kinds of decisions that have to be made. 
some critical, some not so critical. And for the critical ones, you know, you can use this matrix. Again, it's here. We've got it here on the uh, on the uh, uh, on the screen. Uh, so you can you can snapshot it. It's very very simple, but it's going to be really helpful for helpful for you, uh, especially if you're in the midst of a crisis, to be able to detach yourself the way Jocko says, take a step back, and then use that matrix as a decision making tool to help you decide which way to go, and and it will be helpful. So you're not guessing. You're coming at this in a reasoned, logical manner. Now remember, there are also going to be times when uh, you're going to have to go with your gut as a leader, and all leaders end up having to uh, having to deal with that. And that's just that's the nature of the beast. Uh, but your gut shouldn't be your like the default for every decision. Uh, most decisions are made in a collaborative mode with your your direct reports, your team, or what have you, that you work through issues as a leader, you, you take advice. You know, the worst leaders are the ones who say, just do what I say because I know more than everybody else and we're just gonna go do it. No, no. You're, you're the leader, you ultimately make the decision. And, and, and the thing is when eyes are on you, you know, hey, Mike, uh, we've talked this through, but I know it's your decision, right? Of course. That's what you get paid for. That's what you sign up for. And when all the eyes are on you, it's your time to step up and make the decision. And a lot of times you'll make the decision based on this logical way of putting all the facts together, regurgitating and saying, okay, this is the way we're going to go. And sometimes it's by your gut. Um, but you'll figure it out. Just the ideas give you as many tools and that's what this podcast is all about, to give you as much exposure to people who are, are or have been in leadership positions, dealing with crisis situations, dealing with hard situations, and getting best practices from them, gleaning best practices, and then adding them to your toolkit as you are developing your own uh, leadership style. And, and I, I guarantee you, uh, whatever painful issues you're going through right now. Let's say you're like I was 10, 15 years ago, still in the midst of a career, dealing with a lot of stuff on a daily basis, loving the job, but you know, a lot of stress, a lot of stuff. I guarantee you going through that crucible pays dividends because, you know, even now in, in retired, but in working not, you know, in, in, on board members and nonprofits, advisory boards, those same leadership skills, those same experiences, the experiences that I went through with ISMA and the CSO Roundtable or CSO of Microsoft all helped me to, you know, be the best president of this of the police foundation board that I can. Again, got great people around me. Ultimately, it's my decision. I make the decision. Hopefully I'll make the right one, but willing to take that risk. But if you that's why I've mentioned before in the book, both books, leadership books, I talk about the importance of getting on boards of directors because you're now outside of your comfort zone. You are now with a group of people that are not in your company, right? And they are probably uh, your equivalent in their own companies and they are decision makers. And a lot of them have a lot more experience than you do. And if you get on a board, you're going to have to find your voice. And then if you decide, which I encourage you, 
to get into leadership positions, you know, starts with the secretary or treasurer and then vice president and then president, then you really stretch yourself. But all that pain and it's not all pain, but, you know, there's there is a lot of uh, pain that goes with it, a, a lot of stress, a lot of uh, just pressures. But all that pays dividends downrange when in my situation, now I'm back kind of in the saddle, at least for a year, uh, you know, running things as a leader, it all comes back. And things are considerably easier in the sense that I have experience and I, I'm not I'm not doing this for the first time. And I have tools like this matrix. I have tools like Jocko's podcast um, to help me in making those decisions. So that's what I have for you today. Um, think on it. And again, uh, we've got the we've got the matrix posted, and um, and you'll be able to just take a snapshot of it, and and you'll be able to uh, come up with your own way of making critical decisions. I encourage you to read Dr. Ben Carson's book, Take Take the Risk. It's a great book. He goes through a lot of different uh, scenarios that he had to go through. You can imagine as a as a surgeon, having to make the critical decision that could affect the, the lives of children who are conjoined and got parents and their angst. And you've got obviously the, you must have lawyers at the yin yang, you know, saying, you know, I don't know if we should do this because if it go, doesn't go right, you know, we could get sued. Pressure on Dr. Carson. And, but he figured out a way to handle it. And you will too. So that's all I have for you today for the Ronin Leadership Podcast. Uh, again, continue to uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Um, take a look at our, our website, uh, MikeHowardAuthor.com. You'll find links to all three books. Uh, and uh, like I said, I'm writing the second uh, the sequel to the first uh, Jack Trench novel, Full Circle. Hopefully that comes out in the fall. We'll be doing a, a campaign uh, to talk about that, but I'm kind of busily writing. Continue to provide your feedback. Please continue to spread the word about uh, the podcast. Like I said, we're getting more subscribers on a weekly basis. We want to continue to grow so that we can continue to get more people uh, the information they need to become better leaders, uh, better people, and more confident in their abilities to, uh, to go through life. So until next week, um, I will talk to you soon. Bye.